welcome to the Future Financial Planners podcast, brought to you by the Financial Planning Association of Australia. Whether you're a student, a graduate, or an early career advisor, join us as we dive into the ins and outs of becoming a financial planner. I'm your host, Azaria Bell, bringing you tips from the experts on career strategy, sanity, and success. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the FBA Student Podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with Nicole Gardner, Financial Advisor at Precision Wealth Management, to discuss the professional year. Now, Nicole and I have both completed our professional years and we're now financial advisors in the industry. So this was a really great opportunity for us to talk about things like the logbooks, education hours, how we manage the exam, different requirements that may have tripped us up along the way, um, the different challenges and the amazing experiences that we had throughout the professional year. So there's lots of really great advice in this episode. If you're looking to start your professional year or if you're going through it at the moment, I highly recommend giving this one a listen. Hi, Nicole. Thanks so much for joining us on the FBA podcast. Hi, Zaria. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to our chat today. We're going to be talking about our experience doing the professional year. We've both been through it. We're both now advisors. So I thought this would be a really great opportunity for us just to reflect on our learnings and maybe this could be useful for anyone who's looking to start their professional year or is maybe going through it already. Sounds great. But just to get us started, Nicole, would you mind sharing with us a little bit about yourself and and what you're doing? Sure. Um, So I'm an advisor at Precision Wealth Management. We're based in North Lakes, out of Brisbane. So I'm just starting to see all my own clients now. Um, But up until now, I've been doing a a fair bit of the the power planning and um, admin work as well, which is great. We're a small firm. There's only uh, three of us. So yeah, really enjoying it, really loving um, getting to help clients. and, And that's That's why we went through this whole thing so we could actually do that. And it's so great to finally get to that part. Yeah, amazing. And when did you finish your professional year? Finished my professional year in July this year, 2022. So, yeah. Yeah, perfect. And for anyone who um, hasn't heard my background, similar situation to Nicole. So, I think I finished my professional year maybe a month or two after Nicole. So, still quite new. Um, financial advisor at a business called Sky Wealth. We are insurance specialists um, and we're fully online. So, we work primarily with young people getting their life, disability, uh, trauma, and income protections sorted out. But it was a long road to get here. And I'm sure we're going to have a lot to chat about. So, I might just jump into the first question. Sounds great. Let's go. So, Nicole, how did you bring up the professional year with your employer? Was it something that they were already expecting you to do or is it something that you proposed to them? Uh, well, when I started my professional year, I was lucky to be working within a business that was very much about growth mindset and I felt there really was a culture for continual learning and um, challenging yourself to grow and improve as well as a culture of just generally achievement uh, for both uh, yourself personally and and from the team perspective. So to begin with, that was just a really positive environment for me where I felt I could bring up, um, you know, the question of, of doing the professional year and, and I was confident that it would be uh, well received, which it was. Um, so, yeah, it came the time that I wanted to start the PY and I sat down with the business general manager um, and she was really supportive of me doing it, very encouraging. Um, and she definitely had a, yeah, okay, let's let's go attitude, which was great. But then there was also this sort of, um, you know, yes, we really want to help you with that, Nicole, but 
we've actually never done it before. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we really don't know where to start or what to do, um, to be honest. So there was a little bit, I wouldn't say hesitation, but there was a little bit of that. Um, But then, look, this is something I've heard you talk about as well, Azaria. Um, But I had researched the professional year myself quite a bit. I understood what the requirements were. And so I positioned it with my employer that basically other than the licensee registering me for the professional year, everything else was really up to me. Um, I put the onus on myself to take the responsibility, you know, to ensure I was completing the tasks according to the framework. Um, You know, I'd be the one completing the logbooks. I organised my own um, structured training, formal education component. Um, And so for me, the activities of the professional year was actually already what I was doing as part Mm -hmm. of my role, just, you know, business as usual. Um, So I think taking that onus and responsibility on myself and helping my employer realise that there was not much that they were going to have to do. It was really on me. I think that really helped um, get things started. Yeah, definitely. It was much the same for me as well. I briefly started my professional year at a place I was working um, previous to where I ended up finishing it. Uh, just wasn't the right fit, but I did the same thing. I kind of did all the research about what was going to be required of myself, the licensee and the supervisor. And I put it into a document and made it like a little bit of a presentation saying, hey, this is all what I need from you. Um, are you cool for me to start this? So I think that's the issue is that a lot of financial planning businesses are so busy. They've got so much going on. And as we know now, being advisors, there is so much to do that um, people aren't often reading professional year guidance documents in their free time. So definitely (laughs) the owners would be um, on the candidate to present that um, and help the employer understand what's going on. And where I am now, when I came into the business, my boss had an expectation that that's what I would do. So I started out um, just doing things like client services, um, doing some power planning and building my way up. And that was a really good introduction into not only business, but how I would be doing my role in the future, having experience doing everything before becoming an advisor. So definitely a really good way to get started. And I think I'd agree with you, just have that open conversation with your employer and I'm sure that they'd be more than happy to develop a a new advisor into their business. So when did you feel you were ready to start your professional year, Nicole? Well, when I started the PY, I had already finished my Um, approved bachelor degree. And I know you can start the professional year before finishing that. But for me, I just felt that with working and studying, I didn't want to add too many things onto my plate. So for me, um, it was important for me to finish the study first. Um, So that was a big part of it. But then it was also about finding a workplace um, that could support me with the professional year. But More importantly, having the right um, supervising advisor, the right mentor to guide me through the PY. Um, So I was really lucky uh, when I first started the PY, I had a a supervising advisor who was just someone that was really well experienced, an amazing leader, um, a real professional and someone who was just really supportive of me and someone that I knew I could learn a lot from. Um, I actually had two supervising advisors on my PY because halfway through I uh, left Melbourne and moved to Brisbane. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was lucky enough to learn from two different advisors, both very different, but uh, both very experienced, both equally amazing. Um, And having the two supervising advisors, it was just really good for me because 
I feel like I got a broader depth of learning and, and, and experiences and um, I was able to look at things from, I guess, multiple points of view. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, a, a better depth of learning from that. But I, I really think having that right um, advisor to learn from um, is, is important. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And just out of curiosity, how did you go transferring different workplaces halfway through your professional year? What was that like? Um, it wasn't too bad. Um, it was actually by coincidence. My two advisors had met each other before. They knew who each other was. And so oh. that kind of helped make it a, a slightly more um, smooth transition. That's um, good. Yeah, no, it was, it was not too hard. And was it from a different licensee to a new one? Did you have to do anything with the governing body to make that change? No, so basically I finished quarter two um, with the one licensee. And then, so I hadn't been registered on the FAR yet. And then when I started at the new workplace, um, I had to provide that licensee with my quarter one and quarter two completion certificates. Um, I had to provide them with my um, pass certificate for the exam. And then they enrolled me for quarter three. Beautiful. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds like it's not not too complicated overall. That's good. Um, and yeah, in terms of being ready to start, I, I think I had a bit of a longer lead time. So I finished my degree halfway through 2019. I'd been working in the industry for maybe a year and a half at that point. And I then went on to continue doing work experience with the business. Um, I was doing associate advisor work. So getting lots of experience seeing, um, my boss present advice, then he ended up moving workplaces. And um, I probably started my professional year, I think maybe two or three years after being in in the industry. So that was when I felt ready. And it was also kind of when um, it was clear what a professional year was, because that wasn't quite clear when I first started. So I think um, depending on the person, it may be something that you want to start while you're even still studying. I know that that's an option now, or it could even be something that you do after you've had some work experience, um, a bit more time in the industry, and then you can jump into it. But I know that for yourself, Nicole, you actually had quite a lot of experience with talking with clients in a financial context based on your previous work experience before financial planning. Is that right? Yeah. So I previously worked um, in a banking role, which uh, it was it was related to financial advice um, in the early days. That that changed a little bit after the Royal Commission. Mm-hmm. Um, but then from there, I went on to a client uh, services role uh, for one firm in Melbourne and then moved on to an associate advisor role. Um, and I guess it was in that associate advisor role that I really got to see um, a lot of advice presented by um, multiple advisors. And, yeah, that's where I really learned, um, I guess, the rope. Yeah, definitely. It's so interesting to get that diverse experience from different advisors because everyone does things so differently. So really good to do that if if you have the opportunity to. Yeah, and you can kind of, um, you know, steal all the good parts uh, of the different advisors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. I'll, I'll use that or I'll remember yeah. that. And um, yeah, you, you collect up a little toolkit of uh of, of things. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And with things like the log books where you have to track your hours and things like that, did you source the templates or were you given that by your licensee? What was the process there? Oh, Azaria, the log books. <laughs> <laughs> I do not miss them. Uh, it reminded me of when I got my driver's license and I had to keep a log book. Uh, okay. So when I started the PY, 
it took a couple of weeks to get organized. And then when I, when I started it, it was actually backdated. So from the get go, I was already a few weeks behind mm-hmm. in my, in my logbook. Um, so that was the first thing, but I'm a very organized person and I have a really good use of my calendar. So, um, I was able to look back at the previous weeks. I knew what I had been doing, what meetings I had had scheduled, and I was able to, to fill in the logbook. Um, and then so what I did is I, I decided to block out 15 minutes at the end of every day. I was like, right, every day at the end of the day, I'm going to fill in my logbook, <laughs> be all up to date, get it all done. Um, that was the plan, and um, that worked really well for about the first two days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, you know, meetings, emails, phone calls, you know, busy, busy with work. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it was the end of the quarter and I realised I hadn't uh, had my logbook filled in every day. So then it was a process of going back through my calendar, um, remembering what I'd done and -hmm. and filling it in. And so for me, I realised that was probably a more realistic way for me to keep track of the activities and the tasks I was doing. So I, I got really good at just using my calendar. I'd be like, okay, what have I done? I've just done like an hour of modeling, tap that into the calendar, mm-hmm. got a client meeting there. I did a file note that, you know, whatever I had done and I, I'd record it that way. And then at the end of each quarter, go back through, fill in the, fill in the logbook. That's a great idea. I wish I had this conversation six months ago because <laughs> I totally would have done that. <laughs> well, I'm not saying that's the best way, but uh, that's what worked for me. So Yeah, I would have loved to have been uh, more disciplined and, and logged it every day, but I certainly didn't. I found myself in the same situation as you being like, oh, it's been a few weeks and I haven't popped anything in there. But um, when I first started, I also had to backtrack what I'd done previously. And at that stage, I was filling out an end of day report every day that would get sent to my boss with just what I was doing during the day. So I was able to use that as a basis. And then um, in the business, we use tasks for everything. So we tick off tasks whenever we complete them. And then that's all in our history. So I would just go through all the tasks and as well as my calendar to get an idea of what I've done. That was all easy to record in the logbook, but I'm sure it would have been much quicker if I just spent 10 minutes doing it every day. So um, people out there, they can learn from from our mistakes there. And from our mistakes, yeah. And you're yeah. right, there there are templates. I used the Fasia, Fasia, however you want to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. I used their template because they were still a thing. Yep. But, yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of templates online that you can use. Yeah, definitely. I think my licensee gave me um, a copy of their templates, which I think were just edited versions of the Fasia or now ASIC template. Um, And the FBA also, I believe, still do have templates out there as well. So if your licensee is a smaller licensee um, and you're not sure where to source those, check out the ASIC or sorry, the Treasury website and also check out um, the FBA as well because they've got some really great resources there. Now, another question I see a lot in the community, Nicole, is how on earth do you get 100 education hours? Where does that come from? How did you go about that? Yeah, so I think that is the scary part for some licensees. Um, For me, I had already decided that I wanted to do the master's degree in financial planning through Kaplan. So I had already started the first couple of units of that before I started my professional year. And so for me, I basically got in touch with uh, Fasia and I said, hey, look, I'm doing this um, master's degree. Does that count towards the structured training, formal education? And they said, yeah, absolutely, that counts. So I was like, good, I don't have to change anything. Perfect. I'm kind of already doing it. <laughs> um, but 
Um, I think you've talked about before, Azari, you also use Kaplan for your structured training. Yeah, that's right. So when I first started my professional year, I needed to do an ethics bridging course because at the time that I did my bachelor's, ethics wasn't a part of that. So a lot of those hours counted towards my education hours and then the rest of them were primarily um, licensee training days, things like Kaplan's um, CPD hours. So I got my um, my licensee to set me up in Kaplan and I could do lots of learning through there. And then a lot of insurers, um, so I know TALS, one of them, have CPD hours. So that was really helpful as well, just going into webinars and logging all of that down. So it's definitely possible. 100 hours sounds really intimidating, but if you just register for different webinars and different online courses and things like that, that can all add up pretty quickly and give you a good diverse range of um, education in your professional year. Some great tips there. For sure. And then in terms of education, one thing that I imagine is quite daunting to a lot of people looking to go into the professional year is the financial advisors exam. So how was that experience for you? What did you do to prepare and, and how was it overall? Yeah, well, I was pretty nervous about the exam. It, it felt like a big deal. And I had been reading a lot about, you know, experienced advisors and, and looking at the, the pass rate, um, how many people mm. were passing, how many people weren't. And so it was a bit daunting, a bit of pressure that you put on yourself. But I did some practice exams online. Uh, I think there was one through the Tail Risk Academy. Um, there was a couple of other ones that I did. And and I also had a really good chat with some of my colleagues who'd already sat the exam just to give me an idea of, um, you know, what, what to expect. And, and they gave me some advice and tips. But overall, what really helped me was I think I already had a really good understanding of the relevant legislation, uh, the code of ethics. And, and these are things that I'd done through uni studies uh, and mm. through the Kaplan ethics unit. Uh, so a lot of those units in my financial planning degree did have a big focus on Corporations Act, Chapter 7, um, you know, Section 961B, Best Interest Duty and all that stuff. So understanding the legislation and then how it flows through to our obligations as financial advisors, that was, that was a real help for me in the exam. And also by that stage, I had been studying for a few years and taking mm. exams was a normal thing for me. Um, so I think having taken a lot of exams and being able to understand what the marker is looking for, that was a bit of a skill that, that definitely helped me pass, but yeah, waiting for that, that pass mark to come through was Mm. of a nerve wracking experience. I can tell you. Yeah. I was terrified to open it. I almost just didn't bother. (laughs) I didn't want to know the outcome. I was so nervous, but yeah, I had the same experience and I think I, I was definitely, um, a bit intimidated by the the rates of advisors who were failing and passing. But I think it's important to remember that if you're fresh out of university or if you're currently in university, I think the majority of the reason that some advisors do fail is just because it's a completely new environment to be sitting in an exam for them. Maybe it's been years since they've been in a structured learning environment like that. So as long as you can deal with the pressure um, of an exam, they do have all of the relevant um, legislation and resources available. So it is quite open book in a way. Um, So you can always refer back to that. You don't need to know everything by memory. But there's some really good practice exams online and a lot of the insurers um, have different webinars about how to prepare and things like that. So I joined a few of those, which were really helpful. And yeah, I can say it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be, but that didn't make waiting for the result any less nerve wracking. Yeah, I agree. It It wasn't as hard as I thought it would be either. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully that gives people peace of mind hearing that. 
And then another thing that I, I wasn't super prepared for going through the professional year was the, um, the self-reflection tasks and having to talk about ethical dilemmas that you'd faced during the professional year. How did you approach that? Did you manage to come up with many examples throughout your experience in the professional year? Yeah, so I was mindful that that was something that uh, was a requirement and that we were going to have to, um, you know, submit um, some answers around. So it was actually during the last two quarters of my professional year, I was really, um, I guess, keeping my mind open and keeping an ear out for anything that would come up. Um, And so a couple of things did just come up naturally um, during the course of business, which I noted down and um, the things that I discussed with my supervisor Um, So one of them was just a question around, we had an ongoing client and it was just whether or not we're still providing value for that client. There wasn't really a lot of work that we were doing. Um, There wasn't much we had to change. Everything was sort of set up and straightforward. So yeah, we just had a chat about that and and whether we thought that we were still providing value for the fee that we were charging. And look, the peace of mind that we're giving that client, uh, the client wouldn't let us cancel the relationship (laughs) even if we wanted to. Um, so yeah, it's not always it's not always about the quantitative. Uh, it's sometimes it's about the qualitative. And she was definitely um, just getting so much peace of mind by by having us. So uh, that was one. And then the other one. So basically, we had um, a client who had some money, and we were going to inve- invest this additional money for them. And a couple of months had gone by, and it hadn't been done. So a bit of a delay in actioning what we said we were going to do. Mm-hmm. We picked up on it and what had happened is markets had actually fallen. So it was a better outcome for the mm. client that we hadn't invested it. Um, but then there was the question around, well, how do we, how do we fix this? And so obviously um, we, we told the client straight away, listen, we said we were going to do this. We marked up. We didn't do it straight away. It's worked in your favour um, because we've had this, you know, market downturn. But um yeah, being honest with the client and it's it's such an important part of, um, you know, building trust and maintaining trust and just our obligation to the client. So that was kind of a no-brainer, but, yeah, yeah. we yeah. felt that was an, an ethical dilemma and, and how, how do we deal with that and how do we move forward from it? So Yeah, and it's really great that you're having those conversations with your boss and they're taking you through the different ethical dilemmas and, and how you're going to approach that because it's so valuable when you become an advisor yourself and having the confidence, confidence sorry, to have those conversations with clients. Um, well, the thing is the client didn't even bat an eyelid. They were like, oh, yeah. okay. It's always a bigger deal for us than it is for the clients. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, I had to do a similar thing. You noted that you would just write down things when they popped up and think, oh, I'll come back to that later when I'm doing the ethical questions. I did exactly the same thing. Um, so definitely good to be vigilant and just think while you're going through the professional year. If anything pops up, I'll note that down because I'm going to need that in the future. Um, I'm trying to remember what all of mine were, but I know that one of them was that we had a client who had emailed us after the advice presentation meeting and had said, look, I'm still really confused. I'm not quite sure what's going on, but I do trust you guys. So I want to go ahead and sign the off on the advice. And that was an instant slam the brakes. We're not going ahead until we know 100% that you're comfortable and that you understand everything we're talking about. So we actually didn't let her go ahead. We refused to accept um, her signature and we went on to have a couple more meetings to go through it and make sure that she was comfortable. So that was a really easy one to reflect on. And I can't remember the other ones, to be quite honest with you. It's if it's only a few months ago, but um, I think that went in one in one part of my brain and then just got ejected when I finished. 
Um, but yeah, I did the same thing, just noting things down and then reflecting on them. And it was actually quite interesting to reflect on that um, and then have your employer comment on that as well. Because I think these are things that in the future, a few years down the line, once we've been advisors for a while, it'll be interesting to look back on that and see what we were thinking when we were freshies, basically. So were there any requirements of the professional year that tripped you up and that you wish you had known earlier to avoid that? I thought a bit about this question and for me there really wasn't because I really did spend the time um, researching it before I started. Uh, So no, nothing really tripped me up for me. It was, well, I guess the only thing that I struggled with initially was some of the tasks, quarter by quarter um, tasks were a little bit vague Mm. Um, there, there is a bit of vagueness, I, but other than that, no, nothing really tripped me. I was pretty, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I felt that I was pretty confident with the requirements from, um, FASIA at the time, but what happened was that I got halfway through my professional year. I finished my exam and I was ready to move through to the third quarter, but I had only done, I think 30 education hours. And this wasn't a requirement of FASIA, but it was a a requirement of my licensee that I had to have finished half of my hours before proceeding to the second half of my professional year. And that wasn't actually the rule when I started the professional year. So I hadn't known that. So that did lead to a few weeks delay, frantically catching up on my education hours. So my learning from that would be, and my takeaway would be that It's one thing to understand what the legislation requirements are, but it's also a really good idea to chat to your licensee and say, hey, how do you expect me to go about this? And do you have any requirements above and beyond um, what FASIA or what the Treasury um, are expecting of me? So once you finish your professional year, you lodged those forms, they all got approved. What next? What did you do? Were you instantly a financial advisor? Did you get thrown into your first client meetings? How did that go? Well, like you said, well, a week before I was due to finish the professional year, I got in touch with um, my contact at the licensee and I, I said, hey, just letting you know, I'll be finishing next week and um, please let me know everything that you need me to send through. Um, so I was all ready to go, all organised. And um, the day that um, I, I changed from provisional advisor to just financial advisor on the far. I was actually at a conference in Cairns and so I was in a room full of people and um, my supervisor had organised flowers for me and sort of stood up Aww. in front of everyone and congratulated <laughs> me. So I was like, yay, Aww, <laughs> and everyone so nice. clapped. So, yeah, that was, that was really nice. Um, but other than that, look, I would have to say not much changed mm-hmm. in those first few weeks. And that's something that I think people probably maybe need to be prepared for because when you're working towards this big goal and you've been pushing and pushing and working and and then you finally achieve that goal, there can almost be a bit of a come down after it when you realise, oh, now I've achieved it and nothing really feels different. So mm-hmm. it is important to, to realize that that might happen and I think that's pretty normal and Mm. if you are someone like me who really uh, likes to um, have challenges and be goal focused it's really important to have something else for yourself to work towards if if you're going to have a bit of free time Um, but yeah just be prepared that not much might change initially Um, but for me things have started to change now absolutely I'm I'm, uh, seeing clients on my own I'm preparing on my own advice Um, 
yeah, and and that's just building and building as time goes on. So. Yeah, definitely. I had the exact same experience. I think my the biggest moment for me was going into my email signature and dropping the provisional from financial advisor. <laughs> that felt really good. That felt really, really good. But same thing, things didn't change too much. What I'm doing now isn't too dissimilar to what I was doing in, say, the last quarter of my professional year. But um, since then, the, the teams have changed a little bit and I've got a bit more responsibility. So yeah, it's a bit of a slow burn, but it's not instantly um, y- your whole role changes at all because it's a bit of a gradual process, I think, through the professional year. You kind of build up your responsibility over that time anyway. So what value would you say you got out of doing the professional year? Because when it first came in, I think the the overall um, consensus was that, oh, great, this is just something else that we've got to do. But did you have a positive experience? Did you find that it was actually quite helpful to your career? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it was, um, I, I don't know how people became advisors before it. Mm. Um, for me, it was just getting to work with those more experienced advisors, um, having them show me the ropes, um, watching how they do things and then and then taking their knowledge and, and knowledge from that. And um, look, there's just so much on the job learning that you cannot get from, you know, a uni degree or study alone. And yeah. look, a lot of, I guess the thing about the professional year is, is people do, I think prior to it, people maybe were naturally doing a type of professional year anyway, but mm-hmm. I think having it formalised, um, it, it really puts the more, more of a focus on, no, this is what we're doing. We're building you up. We're getting you ready. And yeah, I, I got a lot of value out of it. I thought it was great. Yeah, same. I was always used to envy at university, my friends that were doing um, say economics or finance and they were going to the big four firms and they were doing a grad year basically where they'd go through different rotations and try different things and I always thought why don't we have that in financial planning if anything I think we need it more than anyone because we're telling people what to do with their money um, so when I heard that the professional year was coming into play I thought that was really great it was the financial planning industry's um, answer to a, a grad year basically and I got so much value out of it. If I hadn't been for the professional year, having that structure, I don't think I would have gone through starting at the very beginning of the advice process and working my way up. It probably would have been more just coming into the business and doing whatever needed to be done. So having that structure there was really, really good to continually build up your um, level of knowledge and your experience for sure. And what advice would you give to someone who's looking to start their professional year, but maybe finding it all a bit daunting? Just start just start. If you feel you're ready, just start. Have that conversation with your employer. Um, research the professional year. Make sure you know what is required of you, um, but just start. And then really use your PY to ask all the questions that you want to ask and and just try really hard to get as hands-on with as much as you can because I took it, it's, I looked at it really as that was my chance to learn and no, I realised no one was expecting me to know everything and no one was expecting mm-hmm. me uh, to be perfect at that point. So I just really took that opportunity to just suck as much knowledge as I could out of everyone around me and, um, yeah, get, get some really good practice at, at everything that I could. Um, so that would be my advice. But also don't leave your log books to the last minute. <laughs> Like Azaria and I did. Yep. Try to get it. I try to get it done like at least at the end of every week. Um, mm. It'll make it so much easier for you in the end. 
Definitely. Yeah. The, delaying the logbook, that probably added a few weeks to my professional year because it was just catching up constantly. So yeah, I definitely second you on that one. And I'd also say something that we've kind of touched on already, but make sure that the the business that you're going through the professional year with and the mentor that you're going to have is someone that you think you will get a lot of value out of. Because if this is the last 12 months, 18 months, two years before you actually become an advisor and you are speaking independently, independently, independently with clients, you want to make sure that you've had really good support leading up to that. So I think it's very easy to tell the difference between someone who's just putting you through a professional year so that they can have you as a financial advisor and someone that's actually invested in your learning, invested in you becoming the best advisor that you can be. So um, if you're not sure, maybe put some more thought to it. Um, Maybe it's not the the right place for you, but just have a really good think about, hey, is this the person that I want to essentially be an apprentice for? when it comes to being a financial advisor. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Nicole, for chatting today. This has been really good and it's always really fun to reflect on things like this. Um, I was also just going to say that for anyone listening who's looking to start their professional year or is going through it at the moment, be sure to sign up as a student member of the FPA. Um, Nicole and I are both really involved with the FPA, with the Emerging Professionals Network, and only a few weeks ago we were speaking at an event about our experiences as advisors and doing their professional year. So there's so many great opportunities um, could not recommend more getting involved with them. Thanks, Azaria. Great speaking with you. Thanks, Nicole. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Future Financial Planners podcast, brought to you by the Financial Planning Association of Australia. For great resources and a free student membership, find us at fba.com.au. Good advice makes for great futures.